You're listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. The goal of this podcast is to help business owners be successful and gain the advantage. Nancy has helped some of today's top Fortune 500 companies across a wide spectrum of industries work through their toughest challenges. She can help you too. So if you can't find the solutions you need, there are no more books to read or workshops to attend. The Nancy Gaines Show can be the difference between your success and failure. And now your host, Nancy Gaines. Hi, this is Nancy Gaines, and welcome to the Nancy Gaines Show, where we provide actionable ideas for entrepreneurs to grow their business and be even more productive. The focus of today's podcast is all about how to grow your small business without setting goals. And I'm super excited to have a very special guest with me, Philip Williams. Let me tell you all about him. He learned about small business from his family who were in the barbershop and auto salvage yard businesses. He climbed the corporate ladder outside the family business, working in distribution, manufacturing, engineering, consulting, and professional services. He is a three-time Inc. 5,000 honoree after becoming the CEO of a 17-year-old cash-strapped company and growing it at 50% per year for five straight years. Wow, that's amazing. He accomplished that by bootstrapping the business without outside money. Today, he helps small business owners build profitable and well-respected companies through his consulting firm. Welcome, Philip. Thanks for sharing part of your day. What else do you want to add to that introduction? Thank you very much for uh, introducing me, Nancy. You make it sound like uh, it was all a bed of roses. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't all business a bed of roses? <laughs> uh, on on a lot of days, yes, it is. And then there's some other days where uh, it's you never find your bed. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Well, I'd like to kick it off talking about your business relaunch program. I found that really interesting on your website. I assume this is for business owners that need like a booster shot. They've already started, but it's time to, to pick it up. Is that right? Yeah, the, the whole idea behind that program, uh, you know, after you've been going two or three years and you, you, it's going, there's cash flow, you've got employees, customers, the whole thing, but it's just a little bit of a confusing mess. The whole idea behind that program is that you can step back and, and take a very intentional look at five different parts of your business and evaluate them and figure out what you need to tweak in each one so that you can get it going forward again. It, it's so easy to get lost in the mess. And so I just wanted to create something to help business owners refocus. And so that was the entire idea behind that launching that program. That's awesome because that is my favorite phase to work with business owners. They're out of the toddler phase. They're out of the honeymoon phase of, wow, I get to be a business owner. This will be so fun. That relaunch phase is really my favorite. So let's talk about a couple of those phases. One of them, you call it cleaning up your business processes. What's that one about? This is, uh, it's very funny. I, I was up with a, a client last week doing an on-site and you, know, you go in and you, you, you look at the company and as the business owner, you're used to doing things a certain way. And as your business grows, the way that you did it, say last year, isn't the way that it actually happens today. And so the entire idea there is to you and your team go in and, and you write down what you do today 
And if you happen to have a written process, which if you're in the toddler phase or you're out of the toddler phase and you're only two or three years old, you generally don't. But if you do, you can compare what you do to what you had written you know, a year or two ago. And, and it's all about reevaluating the process and getting it so that everybody's on the same page. Because as you hire employees, you tend to accumulate tribal knowledge, which you've probably run into several times, Nancy. And, you know, employee C isn't doing it the way employee A was instructed by you to start doing it two or three years ago. And you need to get all of that stuff worked out and put back either to the way that it needs to be or you need your written process to reflect the way things actually are. And so the whole idea there is to sit down and take a couple of different looks at your processes and make sure that everybody's on the same page and that everybody understands each person's responsibilities within a particular process that happens in your business. That's awesome. And I bet you find some people never even documented them in the first place. Oh, I find that all the time, all the time, you know, but you know, if you're a small business owner and your procedures aren't documented, please don't feel bad. Uh, you are just like everybody else. It, it's, it's so, there are so many things to do to get your business from year zero to year three that you don't often make time. But what usually what motivates you to write your procedures down is that place where you get to and you've got say 10 or 12 employees and you're trying to figure out how am I going to ever get this thing to 50? And this so getting your procedures documented is just part of that natural progression where you actually have to stop and think about it and, and you've got to do it and you need an approach that will let you do it. And so uh, I actually have, if you want to talk about it, I've got a, a pretty kind of stress-free approach to documenting your procedures. Sure. Let's hear about that. So uh, I, I love it. It's called the sticky method and uh, pull, pull your team together for a particular process. Um, doesn't matter what it is. You know, let's say you've got five or six people that are involved in that process. And whether you've got it written down or not, on a large, you know, 24 by 36 sheet of paper, write down, spend with your team 20, 25 minutes brainstorming about the way that it's supposed to be right now or the way that it is operated. So, you know, hey, we do this, then we do number two, then we do number three. And you just spend 20, 25 minutes and you get that written down. And then leave that 24 by 36 sheet of paper stuck on a wall somewhere where it's private, out of view from your customers or your clients. Maybe it could be in a lunchroom if you want, although that's not the greatest place. Maybe in a, a common meeting room that's in a back corner or an empty space, an office, whatever. Leave it up. And then for the next two weeks, invite everybody who's involved in that process and leave some stickies and some Sharpies there next to it on a table. Anybody that's involved in that process, come by and just spend you know, five minutes every other day or so looking at the process and reading it. And when something comes to mind about, hey, you know, we really need to do this or no, this is out of order, uh, whatever it is, put it down on a sticky and order the stickies. And at the end of two weeks, you reconvene your group and you organize your stickies and you rewrite the process in about 25 minutes. And what you want, every, every, every time somebody writes a sticky, you want them to initial it so you know who it was because you, want to be, you may have questions about why or why not. But you reorder your stickies, and at the end of that 25-minute conversation, you ask somebody, hey, who wants to type this thing up all clean and neat? 
And if you were to do that once a month, at the end of 12 months, you would have 12 processes written down. And I can assure you that compared to most small businesses, you would be in the top 10% of small businesses when it comes to documenting your procedures. Just That's by- amazing. <laughs> I love that. In fact, I just one way I work with clients is they fly into Denver and we spend a half a day working together on, on business processes and efficiency and all sorts of really cool stuff, strategy. Last Wednesday, I had a couple over, and we were actually doing that same thing with sticky notes. Now, of course, it didn't sit for a month or so as people walked by it, but it was so fun to have them write on colored paper and put things in order and say, no, we really need to change that. So I love the flexibility of that. That totally works. Let me ask you about what's involved with making a profit on every sale. That's another step in the business relaunch program, right? Yes. So one of, one of the very first things that I do when I get a client is uh, I want to figure out, you know, what's the metric that drives their business? And uh, as an example, in engineering consulting, you know, it's uh, revenue per employee. Uh, in a restaurant business, uh, it would be cost of food. Uh, so it, depending on the industry, you know, what's the metric that drives profitability? And a lot of companies actually don't know the answer to that question, even though they've been in business two, three, four, five years. They just know that somehow at the end of the month, they made payroll. So the first thing you've got to do is figure out what that metric is. The one, there is one particular metric, though, that works across all industries. And some industries call it a wage multiplier. Others call it a um, labor productivity ratio. And all it is is the revenue dollars divided by your labor dollars. And if you are, let's say your business happened to make 8% last year. Great. So you know you made 8% and you did honest accounting and you weren't running your household expenses through your business. So so everything is clean and neat in that manner. And you've got your 8% profit. And let's say you made a million bucks. You had $400,000 in labor. Then every month at the end of the month, you should be able to divide your revenue by your labor and come up with a number that is 2.5 or very close to it. And you can set your range so that you know that, hey, if I drop below uh, 2.4, I know I'm unprofitable. And if I'm above, say, 2.6, then maybe I didn't have enough labor and I potentially have a quality problem because I was understaffed. But if you track that labor productivity ratio or wage multiplier, whatever your word is that you want to use, every month and you look at that number, you will know if you made a profit. And the really cool thing is that that works across every industry because it strips out the inventory number. Because at the end of the day, raw material is really just a pass-through. You're not actually adding value until you put labor on top of it. So if you track your labor... Yeah, and if, what if just, people don't have what if people don't have employees? So that probably works great for bigger companies that have inventory and manufacturing. But what about the smaller, even the solopreneur? So for them, it's a lot of solopreneurs uh, like myself. I've got a few VAs that handle specialized pieces of the business, and those are part of my costs. And those are to me, they're subcontractors. So. I need to know that I'm turning out a certain amount of revenue and my multiplier would be quite different versus them. It might be 10 or 11 or even 12, you know, it, you don't know, but you have to 
and figure out what your time is worth too, right? So it, let's say solopreneur, $10,000 in revenue a month and you're spending $1,000 a month on subcontractors or, or virtual assistants, that sort of thing, then your multiplier against your costs in that situation is going to be a factor of 10. Although in that situation, I would also complement it with another metric, which would be, I, I would refer to it as revenue per head. So in my case, you know, we would, we would say one. And uh, so I would treat it very much like an engineering consulting firm. As an example, way back uh, in the day when I was running an engineering consulting firm, our metric was $105,000 per head. So the very first thing that I did when I walked in the door was I multiplied the number of employees I had times 105,000, figured out I was short, and that was what proved to me that I was undercharging for my services. And for a lot of solopreneurs, a lot of times the trap you fall into is the, well, if I price myself too high, I'm going to lose clients. And I find that to not necessarily be true. You're just afraid to do it, and you need to understand that you have permission to do it. So if you were to pull up a wage multiplier and say, well, geez, the average person in my business makes, you know, $105,000 a year, I should be billing out 105,000 in revenue. There you go. So I like that. Uh, a revenue per head metric works better when you're in say an architecture firm, uh, a law firm, an engineering consulting firm, or even a solopreneur who's a consultant. I can tell you're a numbers guy. And here's another statistic to prove that. You say that 87% of businesses are solving the wrong problems and that's causing cash flow. What are the wrong problems people need to be aware of so they can fix those? That is actually completely customized to the business itself. Uh, and it is typically an artifact of the business owner's personal blind spots. You know, we hear all the time that you need to play to your strengths, right? Uh, as an example, just kind of, uh, I'll, I'll use again the business that I visited last week. Uh, it's a partnership, and uh, in many ways, the two partners complement each other. Where one has uh, a blind spot, the other one is completely paying attention to it. However, they both have one particular blind spot that they both share, and it ranked at the bottom for their particular business on both of their personal profiles. And as I interviewed their individual employees, I was able to forecast what it would be. And then when I got their, their, uh, and their analysis back, it, it showed to be true. So when you play to your strengths, that's great. But part of the problem about playing to your strengths is you tend to not see your weakness. And a blind spot by definition is almost an unconscious incompetency. So you need a way to figure out what your blind spot is. And most of the time, anecdotally, the way you'll figure out what your blind spot is, is it'll be the same kind of problem that keeps causing you personal pain and a lot of wakeful hours uh, when it comes to how your business is operating. You know, if you're... Do you use the, you use the Strength Finder tool, Philip? Uh, I, from time to time, I do. And I also have some other simple... Uh, analytics where I just ask a few questions um, uh, that uh, divide things into different buckets and it's a it, it it takes just a few minutes but a strengths finder tool is is a great tool for that 
Yeah, it seems like that would tell you what the bottom, where people really have the weaknesses. And when you put your those two partners together, you can identify, hey, both of you guys have this. So interesting. Yep. It, it works like really, that. really well. So back to your core question is, you know, what are the wrong problems? Well, it, uh, that's a custom solution for your business because I, I'm sure you've seen this many times, Nancy, but I find the same problems in many businesses. The big thing that differentiates them is how they got there and how they're going to move on from there. And all of those things are based on the assets in that business. And those assets are, you know, the leadership team and their skills the skills uh, for the entire team, your client base, all of those different things. And so it's not a one size fits all, but there is uh, and there are several simple tools for figuring out what your issues are. And then just simply forcing yourself to sit down and map out a path out of where you are today. I like that. Let's tie this back to the whole focus of the podcast, how to grow your small business without setting goals. What do you mean by that? That sounds really intriguing. Yeah, this is my my anti-corporate approach to setting goals because all small all all businesses need goals. But the the difficulty when you're say a 15-person company uh, is that you are challenged to find the time to do it, right? And if you want to cascade the goals down, the very first time I ever set up a set of um, uh, objectives or goals for individual employees in a company, I did it with, I had 30 people and it took me uh, four or five months of just thinking through it and making sure that I wasn't building conflicts. So how do you, but how do you get a 12 person team to move in the right direction? And uh, you don't want it to feel like goals. You want it to feel like uh, we're all just working in the same direction. So my suggestion to everybody is to do this. Go back and take a look at your last 12 months of performance, whether your business was flat or grew 20% or whatever it did. Go back and look at your last 12 months of performance and find your three best months and figure out the three or four things that you did that made those three or four months possible. And also figure out what was the low watermark. So let's just take a, a million dollar business. And you did, your, your average sales is $83,000 a month, but maybe three months last year, you beat 105,000. So you set your goal at 105,000. Well, 105,000 is almost a 20% growth rate. If you could do that 12 months in a row for the next 12 months, you would have a 20% growth rate, which by the way, on Wall Street, they would love you. Um, But how do you get there? Well, go back and take a look at the three or four things that you did that made those three months possible. And you want to focus on doing those things continuously. Maybe you actually had yourself in gear and you were driving sales. Maybe, uh, you know, you refined your marketing message or, uh, you know, your customer service numbers were really good for the three months leading up to that. Figure out exactly what it is that made those things possible. Focus on doing those. Then go back and take a look at your worst three months and figure out the three or four ways that you shot yourself in the foot or that you left money on the table. Maybe you weren't answering the phone often enough, or if you're like a lot of small businesses, you don't focus on sales until you run out of cash. 
you know, whatever it is, figure out what it is that you're not doing that's allowing those low months to happen and work on putting processes in place that will keep those three or four faults from continuously occurring. I love the simplicity of that. And you know, that is so true. My, I had my best month ever last month and it's because I called people up and I set appointments and I talked to them and had a lot of face-to-face -face meetings. Whereas some of my slower months, I wasn't doing that. So as simple as that sound, it totally works, right? Tracking and measuring is what gives you the results. Right. And then the, the last piece of this is I want to encourage business owners, when you're, when you're down there and you're in that size, talking about just numbers, as much as I'm a numbers guy, at the end of the day, this is really about human beings. And if we don't understand how human beings function, then it doesn't really work. So going back to why do I pick the best three or four months, part of it is that you need to show them that they are capable of doing it. If you just walk into your team and say, hey guys, from now on, we're going to hit $105,000 a month. Well, $105,000 isn't very meaningful. But let's say you own a bridal shop. Well, talking about serving 30 brides every month, I want to make sure that we are putting gowns on 30 brides every month. Any bride that comes in here and doesn't leave and isn't wearing our gown when she walks down the aisle isn't looking her best. If you start talking about your business in terms of the number of brides that we want to help and make sure that they are as beautiful as they can possibly be on the day they walk down the aisle. That is a lot easier to talk about and hits home much better with your employees. So whatever it is that you do, whether you're selling pizzas or building buildings or bridal gowns, talk about it in terms of how you're helping your customers and how many customers you're helping. Don't come in and say, we're going to hit $105,000 and we're going to make $10,000 in profit every month because that nobody comes to work for you to make sure that you have a fabulous balance sheet. They come to work for you to put gowns on brides, to build buildings, to do whatever it is that you do. So when you figure out what your, your revenue number is, convert that over to the clients that you're serving and talk about your message in that way. And then the other purpose for picking numbers that they've hit, if you can go back and you can say, hey, look folks, in May, July, and September, we put gowns on 30 brides. It's really hard for your team to say, oh, I can't, if you were to just walk in and say, hey, look, I wanna, we're gonna start putting gowns on 50 brides every month. Well, if they've never done that, they know that they've never done that. But if you go back and you say, we wanna hit a target where 30 brides every month are wearing our gown when they walk down the aisle, and the reason that I picked that number is we did it three times last year, it's really hard for your team to ignore the fact that they've done it, and it taps into their self-belief which is at the end of the day, that's, that's really where you need to be when you're leading your team. You don't want them to quietly whisper under their breath, how am I supposed to you know, sell 50 gowns a month? We've never sold 50 gowns a month. You don't want to start there. You want to talk about, we've done this before, we just want to do it consistently. And if you take like that approach, that. it is so much easier to get your team on board. I love that. We call that number of people we serve, not number of sales we're making. So same concept, no matter what it is. Yeah. That's great. That's really cool. 
Bill, before I ask the signature question, do you want to share a little bit about your book and where people can find it? Yes, that is available for free on my website at askphilipwilliams.com. And the name of the book is Walk the Talk. And it boils down the nine disciplines that a business owner needs to make sure that they are paying attention to every month and, uh, and executing well on their business. And nine's a lot, and you're not going to get them all done next month, I know it. But go ahead and give the book a read. It's, it, it, it really is very helpful, and it is based on what the fastest growing companies in America have done over several years, not just a one-year look, but it, it's actually based on a three-year look at what they pay attention to and what their results are and how they get there and their attitudes. And then on this, the second half of the book is the tools that you need to get those disciplines implemented. And so uh, super duper helpful. And I, I wrote it with, with the idea of trying to give you some practical advice that you could put to work in your business. That's awesome. And thank you for sharing that. That's really generous. Are you ready for the signature question? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Every, there's no wrong answer, so you'll be fine. Philip, if you had one more hour in your day, 25 hours every day, what would you do with that extra hour? An extra hour. I think I'd read more. Are you I, reading something now? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm reading too many things actually right now, which is uh, kind of funny. Uh, but one of the ones that I'm reading right now is actually Fierce Conversations. And wow. it is, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to read it. And the name of the author escapes me at the moment. But the name of the book is Fierce Conversations. And it's really about the conversations that we need to have in our business. Because I find that a lot of times when we're having conflict in our business, it's because we didn't have the conversations that we needed to have when we needed to have them and in the way that we needed to have them. And so it's a, it's a fabulous book for, for helping you out with, with that issue. But yeah, I would, I would definitely read more. I'm a big believer in the idea that with the exception of the books that you read and the people that you know, you are the same person today that you will be in five years. That is so true. It's funny that you mentioned that book because somebody else suggested I read a book. I think it's called like Awkward Conversations. It's got kind of the same idea that delicate conversations that you have to step up and and have a you know an adult conversation on some of these topics because if you let it fester, it just gets worse. Oh, and it's so I much. I wonder if easier. it's a similar book. I I think Awkward Conversations is actually the sequel. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh. It, it's, you know, if, if we as, and part of it is that we as business owners, when you're learning how to run your business, you don't know what conversations you need to have <laughs> until it's too late. Uh, and then you don't know how to have them. And so if you could, if you could uh, figure out how to have those conversations and figure out how to have them in a way that actually at the end of the conversation, you feel like your stress levels come down that would be really, really helpful. But yeah, that's my answer to the question. I would read more because um, I know a lot about a few things, but there's a lot of things I'd like to know a lot more about. That's awesome. Very cool. For people who would like to work more closely with you, how can they connect with you besides getting your, your book on your website? One of the best ways is actually through LinkedIn. Just reach out to me and connect. 
Uh, I'm Philip hyphen Williams and Philip is spelled with one L. Uh, another quick way to get in touch with me is on Twitter. I'm on there uh, a fair amount. And then finally would be the website. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to add that I didn't think to ask you? No, I think we've, we've had quite a good conversation. Yeah, lots of great. I like that everything is measurable because uh, real professionals don't wing it. We measure things. We see what's working. We break up with things that aren't working, and we do more of what's working. So I love the tip about look at your best three months and your worst three months and figure out where you changed. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm what you call you know as what is it data scientist? I'm a I'm a data scientist from way back. I went the old route and got an engineering degree and an MBA, and and now they actually have a specialized degree for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, Philip. Thanks so much for taking time to be on the show today. Lots of great and useful information, listeners. I am looking for a few more newer business owners interested in accelerating their business in just one year. The next Turbo Ascent Group is forming right now. It's a combination of coaching, training, accountability, peer advisors, and a mastermind think tank. Really jam-packed in one program. Just go to nancygaines.com consulting to learn more. And if you love this show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. It helps other people find us. And until next time, go out and gain the advantage. You've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show, where you can gain the advantage. To schedule a VIP strategy day or speed consulting session with Nancy, connect with her on her website, nancygaines.com. That's nancy, G-A-I-N-E-S.com. On Twitter, Nancy L. Gaines. And on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.